Florida State and Ozark Gateway Funds. Visit www.ozarkgateway.com or call 1-800-264-0316 for fun places to visit. You're listening to KNEA Jonesboro and KBRI Clarendon. The Ticket. It's time for The Setup, the fastest hour in sports talk here on The Ticket. Here are your hosts, Kay Carlton and Andrew Bowen. All right, welcome into a Thursday, September 3rd, 2021 edition of The Setup here on The Ticket, 95.3 FM, 96.9 FM, The Ticket, 970 AM, KDA. You can also find us streaming online at 953theticket.com and through the TuneIn app by searching for KNEA. We're on Twitter at 953theticket and Facebook.com slash 953theticket is where you can find us there. Uh, we're going on the program today to talk a little bit about college football. We saw. The playoff meeting that really nothing came out of yesterday, uh, we've seen some realignment stuff, uh, specifically from the American, come out uh, earlier today. Uh, so we'll look at that. We'll look at uh, the football games we have tonight, both college football and the NFL. Uh, we'll have a chance to dive into the Tulsa defense after looking at their offense yesterday. Uh, Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, who covers a state is going to join us at 2.30, and uh, we'll get into just about whatever uh, in the final segment of the program today. But before we get into anything, Andrew has some headlines. Brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing you the best deals on tires. A-State football is only two days away from wrapping up their non-conference games with a matchup against Tulsa on Saturday. Teams will be meeting for the first time since the Red Wolves picked up a win at Tulsa in 2018. Golden Hurricanes currently sit at 0-3 this season, with two of those losses coming by less than a touchdown. And last week, Tulsa on the road at number 10 Ohio State lost 41-20. So it's going to be a good game. Be sure to tune in to that. Moving on to University of Arkansas football, head coach Sam Pittman previewed Saturday's game against Texas A&M during his Wednesday media session. Pittman said he expects a physical game from the Aggies, and the Razorbacks have lost the past nine games in this series. Kickoff is at 2.30 p.m. on Saturday. That's going to be a good game in, in AT&T Stadium. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yep. Uh, as for the Cardinals, they've won 11 games in a row. St. Louis scored six runs in the first two innings, and Mike McCullough pitched seven strong innings uh, as the team cruised to a 10-2 victory over Milwaukee. The team wrap up their series today. Um, and they're playing Milwaukee right now. Uh, Kay, do you have the score? I believe last time I checked it was uh, four, four nothing to... Milwaukee. Yeah. Okay. Middle of the third. Middle of the third. All right. And you can catch the game over on 95.9 The Wolf. And that's been your daily headlines brought to you by Plaza Tire Service. All right. Uh, so we'll kind of, and really this was not intentionally planned. Uh, it's just kind of the way things happened. Uh, that uh, on both the Workday Red Zone and on this program today, we're going to get into some realignment and college football playoff and all that talk. And it's really 
it really wasn't planned this way, but this is just kind of how Apparently. it happened because that's the prevalent news uh, in regards to college football. Apparently, so, it's still that time of the year. I don't think it's yeah. left since the summer. So uh, we'll kind of dive into that. Uh, and we already know that there will not be a vote next week uh, to potentially vote on the extended playoff. Uh, and we've kind of known that for the last probably about month, two months, uh, with all the realignment talk. And really, it all it all started with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. And once kind of that happened, you knew that probably the playoff wasn't going to expand this year like originally we thought because it was the middle – first part to middle of the summer that a 12-team playoff was all but done. And now that uh, – is not happening actually a meeting was scheduled last week to vote on it and everyone's kind of backed out so that's not happening so I believe I there's part of me that believes it was not ready to go I feel like they just said that so they could save some skin yeah I don't maybe. know maybe, the, maybe that's just me but um we've seen an 18 model float around uh a few power 580s d- didn't really like that and all the group of five is really not a fan because at the end of the day, an 18 model still isolates most years your highest ranked group of five team. Like this year, if it was an 18, Cincinnati probably would get in, but more years than not, your top ranked group of five team gets isolated in uh, an 18 playoff. So, Mike Oresco, I guess, has been the the American Athletic Conference commissioner, has kind of been the voice of the uh, I guess group of five uh, because. He kind of came out and said that his league is in strong support of a 12-team playoff and not an 18-team playoff. Uh, said, quote, I think 12 is the right number because of the balance between automatics and at-large. It's the one that has the best best chance of satisfying the whole group, which is true because the 12-team playoff gives you the best chance to both, A, reward conference champions, and B, have an automatic qualifier for a group of five team to make it year in, year out, regardless of, you know, their ranking and whether or not they rank in the top 12. So, obviously, a 12-team playoff has the best chances for every Power Five conference champion and a group of five kind of at-large bid to be in the playoff. But, obviously, that's that's not going to be the case. uh, they met yesterday. Chris Vanini and the Athletic had some kind of in-depth reporting on the 10 FBS commissioners and uh, the uh, Notre Dame Athletic Director meeting in Dallas uh, yesterday to discuss playoff expansion, and nothing productive really happened there. Uh, it's it's kind of the same old, same old that we've seen the past couple of months where nothing's going to get done for the foreseeable future. But one of the interesting things that did happen was the Grand Met, the hotel where they met at, and I guess it was technically Grapevine, Texas, did have an alcoholic beverage on the menu called the Alliance. So that happened yesterday. Uh, <laughs> and apparently in Chris Vanini's write-up, uh, there was a drink called the Alliance on uh, I love the, the menu. It's Well, nothing happened in the meeting but on the drink menu. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Greg Sankey had a comment yesterday that was like, if you're – if you're expecting this to be done by Christmas, you're going to have a bad Christmas. So, I mean, it sounds like we're still a ways away. Um, At least from, he's honest. Yeah, it sounds like we're a ways away from anything kind of being resolved in terms of 
a potential extended playoff. Uh, I imagine it's not going to happen for like a year, maybe yeah, two years. Yeah, and one of the things that came out and that uh, especially in the athletics reporting that they talked about was that the general consensus is that there's no rush because the current contract with the college football playoff goes until 2025. So I think most people just – you want to have your plan in place before – maybe around 2024 when it's time to start renegotiating the college football playoff and you know kind of look and see what the future holds for that so I really don't think this is something that's going to have any type of resolution uh before maybe two three years down yeah I agree. the road but the question is how different would it be if not for realignment across sports I I mean I don't know if it would already be done but I think the general momentum and the general progress of it would have it very, very close to done. And we probably would have an idea of, all right, this is what it's going to look like. And this is when it's going to start and all this, but the different realignment and everyone mad at Greg Sankey and everyone trying to, you know, situate their conference in the realignment landscape for the best possible outcome for their conference just makes it kind of seem like this was destined to not happen as soon as, we originally thought maybe three or four months ago, but uh, it does sound like we're going to have more realignment answers before uh, playoff answers because Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, uh, talked with the Athletic yesterday after the meeting in Dallas uh, and said that it was a matter of weeks, most likely, before the American named the teams that they're going to bring into their conference to replace uh, the teams they lost uh, to the uh, Big 12. So the AAC is – it's going to be interesting to see if they have to restructure that TV deal. But as it stands now, the AAC will have no problem expanding because of the TV deal because they inked a deal with ESPN that nets each member institution $7 million per year off of TV revenue. And over a 12-year period, the league will get a total of $1 billion for or from ESPN. It's not wow. a Power 5 deal because the Big 12 signed one two years ago, three years ago, that over that same time period gets them $3.5 billion. So it's not quite a Power 5-level TV deal, but it's certainly the largest in the group of five, which makes them definitely probably the most attractive conference when you're talking about realignment and expansion within the group of five. So... The AAC is expected to be the first G5 league to kind of go out and really start the process on, you know, realignment expansion within the group of five. Uh, Some of the names that have been floated out, I don't know how likely these four are, but these are the four that have really been linked to the American or Boise, San Diego State, Colorado State, and Air Force. Uh, All of those have athletic budgets over $50 million. And they're close to, you know, bigger TV markets, so it, it makes a lot of sense for the American. But Boise and San Diego State also make a lot of sense if if the Big 12 is going to do a second wave of adding teams, which is what they've kind of talked about but never really confirmed. Boise and San Diego St- State make a lot of sense for that. So you do wonder if, you know, Boise and San Diego State may try and hold down and wait for the Big 12 or if they would jump at the invitation from the American It. I don't know. It, there's still a lot to a lot to unravel, but those are expected to be the four teams that the American goes hard after, and potentially at least a few, if not all four, could be in the American Conference in a matter of weeks. So, 
Interesting. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. I mean, right now it's all just kind of up in the air again. I mean, it, it went from being up in the air to it seemed to be for sure, and then it's up in the air again. So we'll see what happens. We'll, uh, it'll be interesting to follow and see kind of what the Sun Belt does because right now it looks like the American is going to be the first to, you know, get on the ball and make a move in terms of the group of five conferences. But, you know, the Sun Belt's already put out a statement about how they're, you know, essentially ready for expansion. We've already heard about how outside of the American, a lot of teams and a lot of people around college athletics think the Sun Belt may be trending toward the second best group of five conference. So they're going to have no shortage of suitors that want to come to the Sun Belt, be it, you know, a group of five team currently that wants to switch conferences or be it, you know, one of the top FCS programs that wants to make the move up to FBS level of competition. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, the Sun Belt does from there. But basically, there was nothing that came out of the meeting yesterday or the comments from, you know, Mike Oresco, basically stuff that we have known for a while that is potentially going to happen, but just, I guess, more reassurance that, uh, A, the college football playoff is kind of a mess, and B, the American is going to be the first group of five conference to really start the expansion expansion process. So uh, that's interesting, definitely going to change the landscape of not only college football, but college athletics as a whole, which will probably look drastically different uh, two to three years from now than it does right now. So um, hopefully, I'd say hopefully. interesting stuff. Uh, and hopefully that's in a good way. I mean, I don't know. Uh, hopefully it's not in a way where we're down to like five conferences because everyone wants to go to the super conference round. Hopefully that's not the case. But that's true. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how that uh, all. Uh, goes over the course of the next uh, weeks, months, years uh, across college athletics. All right, uh, A-State on the road at Tulsa this weekend. Uh, We'll kind of be heavy on the A-State-Tulsa game in our next two segments. Uh, We'll get our first chance to really kind of dive into that uh, Tulsa defense and see what we can expect out of them. Uh, We'll get a chance to catch up with Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette coming up here in about 15 minutes. But right now, we'll step aside, take our first break of the program, and come back after this on The Ticket. We're not ready to go to the closer just yet. Stick around. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Bigger bonuses, increased starting pay. Linux Industries has 300 positions to fill and is now offering brand new seasonal shift incentives. Hiring bonuses from $2,000 for first shift and $2,500 for second shift. Starting pay from $1,525 on first to $16 per hour for second shift. Plus, excellent benefits including full medical benefits and a free on-site clinic for employees and their families and an air-conditioned factory. Bigger bonuses. Increased starting pay up to $16 an hour. Come join the Linux team, the leading HVAC company in America. Call 870-672-8161 or apply online at linuxinternational.com slash careers. Linux Industries is an equal opportunity employer. Over the years, Purcell Tire and Service Center has earned the reputation as the home of a huge selection of tires, plus unbeatable service on your personal vehicle. And now, Purcell is looking for you to join their team. 
Purcell is looking for mechanics, tire technicians, and an outside service technician for medium commercial tires. Apply now at PurcellTire.com, PurcellTire.com, and click on Careers. And next time you need your vehicle serviced, remember to go see your friends at Purcell Tire and Service Center, corner of Parker and Caraway Road, Jonesboro. Stand out on game day with Unique Inc., We have the latest designs of A-State tees and hats you will want to wear. From the Pines to Tent City, your unique ink scarlet and black will be howling perfect. You'll be able to take the heat now and then pair that tee with a cardigan or vest later this season. One thing is for sure, Unique Ink has A-State apparel for the win. I'm Whitney with Unique Ink. You imagine, we create. Unique Ink at 1320 Red Wolf Boulevard or call 203-9885. Unique Ink. Forest Kitchen and Bath, 5412 Stadium Boulevard in Jonesboro, Northeast Arkansas's premier kitchen and bath contractor. Let Vores Kitchen and Bath bring our skill, passion, and love of design to your new or existing home. Dedicated to your complete satisfaction, Vores Kitchen and Bath will turn your dream design into reality. The latest trends, designs, and over 70 years of experience. Visit us at VoresKitchenandBath.com or call us at 268-0665 to schedule a free estimate with Gerald or Michael. Vores Kitchen and Bath, your kitchen, your bath, our passion. Red Rose fans, this is your coach, Butch Jones, and it's football time in Jonesboro. We can't wait to see you pack the vault for six home games this fall. Andrew going deep down the right side, looking for Hunt. This is tipped and caught, and T. Hunt is going to score. Touchdown, Arkansas State from 53 yards out. We need you to create the best home field advantage. Purchase your season tickets now by visiting astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. The forgotten poor in need of healing. Wait for Mercy Ships. A floating hospital staffed by volunteers, heroes of mercy who donate their time to save lives. To learn more about Heroes of Mercy, go to mercyships.org. We're always rooting for overtime round here. Now let's get back to the setup. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Hey, Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on this Thursday afternoon on the ticket. 95.3 FM, 96.9 FM, the ticket. Uh, coming up here in about uh, 13, 12 minutes or so, uh, we'll be joined by Mitchell Gladstone for his weekly visit of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Uh, we'll uh, recap that A-State-Washington game from last week and Look ahead to A-State Tulsa coming up on Saturday afternoon from Tulsa. And we'll kind of get the ball rolling on that Tulsa preview right now. Uh, we got a chance yesterday to look at the Tulsa offense. So today we'll shift our focus to the Tulsa defense. Um, offense obviously trending in a positive direction. I wouldn't say the defense is trending in a positive direction. They aren't trending in a bad direction. They're just not really trending in any direction. Uh, They've given up 29.3 points per game on average this year. But I don't know. I don't know how much you can, how much stock you can put into that, given the fact that they play two power five opponents, one at Oklahoma State, uh, the other Ohio State, who is a top 10 team in the country last week. So, Maybe sort of kind of the jury is still out a little bit on their defense. Uh, They did give up 400 yards to UC Davis in the opener with 311 of those 400 yards coming through the air before uh, 
really didn't play terrible defensively against Oklahoma State. Uh, they gave up 313 yards to uh, Oklahoma State, 140 on the ground, 173 through the air. So, didn't play bad against Oklahoma State, but then last week, I mean, Ohio State ran up and down the field on them. Ohio State rushed for 323 yards, had 508 yards uh, for, for the game last week, and just had their way in. I mean, you can't expect to be an Ohio game. State team, no matter how good they yeah. are, with giving up 500 yards. Yeah, so almost 330 rushing yards for Ohio State last week, but... Again, that's yardage. Yardage is one thing. Possessions are another. Uh, So it is interesting to kind of go back and look at how their defense fared in the Oklahoma State game because there are definite positives to take out of that uh, Oklahoma State game. Uh, Oklahoma State scored just seven in the opening half of play. And honestly, if not for a roughing the passer roughing the passer penalty on third and eight on one of their I think it was the second to last drive that Oklahoma State had in the first half of play. If not for a roughing and passer roughing the passer penalty on third and eight, which Tulsa the play Tulsa got a stop on, but just got the penalty called. Uh, Oklahoma State probably scores zero. Uh but that penalty set them up about twelve yards outside the red zone. And then uh, they were uh, they were able to score. But other than that, they punted five times, and Tulsa had a pick six in the first half against Oklahoma State. So defensively in the first half against Oklahoma State, a pretty impressive showing. But kind of in the second half of play, Oklahoma State started to get it a little bit uh, together. Uh, they put together a 13-play, 76-yard scoring drive, uh, scoring drive uh, where they had a 37-yard run in the middle of that scoring drive to really uh, kind of get the offense on uh, the roll there. But in that Oklahoma State game, eight of Oklahoma State's 11 drives into in the game ended with a punt or a turnover. So Tulsa defensively looked pretty good in the Oklahoma State game. Um and honestly, that's probably more of the level of opponents they're going to play this year. Oklahoma State sure is a Power Five opponent, but Oklahoma State's probably a six and six, seven and five team in the Big Twelve. I mean, they're yeah. they're probably going to play a couple of teams in the American that are better than Oklahoma State, right? So you can probably judge more about their defense from the Oklahoma State game, um, really, than any of the other two. I, I think the UC Davis game, much like the uh, Montana game for Washington, was kind of a side where it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's week one, and I don't know. Uh, if they played UC Davis right now, I think they beat them three touchdowns. So Yeah, if they I, if they played UC Davis week three instead of week one yeah. and they lost, then it's a different story. Yeah, but it I don't know how much you can take out of uh, that game. Last week against Ohio State, Obviously, they looked worse defensively, but Ohio State's a top 10 team in the country. Ohio State has shown the ability to score a lot of points. Ohio State has shown the ability to throw the ball all over the yard. And then last week, they showed the ability to run the ball all over the yard when they need to as well. So, again, I don't know how much you can take out of the Ohio State game because a lot of teams are going to get beat by Ohio State this year. Um, So... They didn't look terrible against uh, Ohio State. They forced them to a punt, held them to a field goal in their first two possessions, 
and forced a turnover in the first half as well. But uh, Ohio State scored on three of its five possessions in the second half, and Tulsa forced a fumble. So Ohio State was really able to extend some possessions out in the second half of play. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the Tulsa defense is interesting. I don't know that we have a good kind of barometer on them. Uh, one of the key stats is that they do have 21 tackles for loss through three games, but have only forced – three turnovers and two of those three turnovers came in that uh Ohio State game but um holding teams to four and a half yards per rush had kind of been okay at the pass allowing 11.2 passing yards per play but I really I mean they gave up a lot of passing yards to UC Davis gave up a lot of passing yards to Oklahoma State so it's kind of one of those deals where all right, can A-State throw the ball and really kind of get James Blackman on track and put together a complete game offensively on Saturday? Because I think that probably will be one of the keys to victory for A-State. We still haven't seen A-State establish the run, and until A-State shows the ability that they can establish the run, you've got to bank a lot on the passing game uh, offensively. So, which, is, which is good for this matchup. It is, it yeah. is. But say all that to say this. And we still don't know a ton about Tulsa defense. Maybe Tulsa shuts A-State out and they look like the 85 Bears on Saturday. I don't know. but That would be, be something to see. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I don't – general rule of thumb, I don't think it's ever a good thing when your safeties lead you in tackles. And that's exactly the case for Tulsa. Yeah, Both is, of their safeties rank top two on the team in tackles. Uh, Kendarian Ray has 23 tackles to lead the team. Bryson Powers has 18 tackles. He's second on the team. And both of those guys play the safety position. So uh, only one defensive lineman has double-digit tackles. That's problematic. So Yikes. what that tells you just looking at the tackles is that a lot of plays are going to that 8, 9, 10-yard mark plus for safeties to be in on the play on tackles. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how A-State responds against uh, a defense that has kind of been up in the air uh, throughout most of the season. So it'll be interesting. A-State will definitely have opportunities to kind of get their passing game on track, which, I mean, we we haven't seen four full quarters of a good passing offense for A-State. We saw a half in the UCA game when Lane Hatcher came in and went perfect. We saw a half in the Memphis game when James Blackman came in and went and went crazy and nearly won A State the game. We I don't even know that we saw a drive where A State looked good passing the ball against Washington last week. So yeah, I don't right so now either. we're we're at about four quarters of a possible twelve quarters played where A State has looked good throwing the ball offensively. So that will be an interesting story to kind of follow this weekend if a state can start to establish themselves passing the football and even more so if they could run the ball yeah because i mean we're good it's going to be interesting they they definitely need to improve their passing game because i mean if that's going to be your bread and butter it needs to be your bread and butter not a burnt piece of toast so yeah. I, I don't know what uh I don't know this. Like you said, there's so many questions with this Tulsa defense and it's hard to gauge them based on the games they've played um, other than that Oklahoma game. So it's or Oklahoma state game. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's either going to be a close game or Tulsa is going to surprise everyone and be this underdog story. That's zero and three. Well, and I'm, 
again, it kind of feels a lot sim- – it feels similar to what A-State faced last week when they faced Washington and went 4-0 and last year in the Pac-12. If not for COVID, would have been in the Pac-12 championship game. Tulsa reeled off all of these wins last year in the uh, American, made it to the American championship game, then got beat by Cincinnati – and nearly beat Memphis or nearly beat Mississippi State in the bowl game last year. So Tulsa had a ton of momentum coming into this year and really just haven't lived up to it yet. And so you hope it's not a situation where, like last week, Washington kind of found their groove and you're like, oh, this is why they were a preseason top 25 team. This is not a situation where Tulsa finds their groove and you're like, oh, this is why they're projected to finish second, third in the American, whatever they were projected. So right. uh, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds on Saturday. Four o'clock kick, uh, two o'clock, or I guess one thirty pregame coverage uh, starting over on 107.9 K-Fine. Uh, we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll be joined alongside Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette to help us even further preview A-State and Tulsa coming up on Saturday. That's coming up after this timeout here on The Ticket. Kara's icing down. Bobo's in the pen. But Kate and Andrew are dealing. The setup continues right after this on The Ticket. Hey guys, it's Alicia Bellotto and it's that time again. I'm here to invite you, Arkansas State Red Wolves fans, to the fourth annual Boots and Ballers for A-State men's basketball team. Thursday, September 30th at 7pm at First National Bank Arena. Doors open at 6. Wear your best boots to meet A-State's ballers and coaching staff while you enjoy food, drinks, laughs, and music from DJ King Vic and plenty of fun including great live and silent auction items. Boots and Ballers is September 30th at First National Bank Arena. Tickets are $60 with premium tables available. Get yours by calling the Red Wolf Foundation, 870-972-2401. Hi, I'm Scotty Woodson. Be sure to join me this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Local Tire and Wheel. $30 is all you need to kick off this big game day on the tires you need and the wheels you want at Local Tire and Wheel. This Saturday, 11 to 1 at Local Tire and Wheel, 1518 South Caraway, across from Burger King in Jonesboro. Get the tires you need and the wheels you want and curb appeal at Local Tire and Wheel. Where are we going? I thought you wanted to get some stuff for the party. We're going to the old country store off the Cash River in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Jonesboro. Yeah, but we need something besides beer and wine, don't we? The old country store has all spirits now. I'm taking you to see all your favorite men. Oh, you mean Jack, Jim, Jose, and Johnny. Yep. You know, Jose's my favorite. Keep your clothes on this time. The proceeding was recorded by poorly paid voice actors. The Old Country Store and Spirits, 16067 Highway 63 East in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Dan Avenue. The Old Country Store. Your wedding deserves a beautiful classic venue to spotlight your love story. Kingsman Estate is the perfect and newest venue in Northeast Arkansas. A lush, rolling estate with a pond, island, gazebo, and Victorian-inspired home where you can dance the night away and dream of your wedding day for years to come. A luxe bridal suite awaits you and your bridesmaids complete with a separate makeup room and the groom suite is built for fun with a pool table bar and you can even fish in the pond before you put on your tux call kingsman estate today or book a tour to reserve your date dates are limited so call 870-627-3110 kingsman estate the storehouse has a new location 3102 fox road in jonesboro and they have everything for your business office supplies office furniture fireproof files printer towers and ink break room supplies cleaning supplies bathroom supplies self-inking stamps printing and so much more the storehouse offers free delivery and you can order online or over the phone if you need the storehouse 3102 fox road in jonesboro or call 870-972-6360 put your business in the hands of the experts at the storehouse today here's nascar hall of famer mark 
Mark Martin. As a race car driver for 40 years, I survived a lot of crashes. Not everyone can run into a wall at 200 miles an hour and walk away. Without a seatbelt, I wouldn't be alive today. Now I'm retired, back home in Arkansas driving my pickup. I'm shocked how many people aren't wearing seatbelts. Why risk your life when it only takes two seconds to buckle up? Take it from number six. Buckle up, Arkansas. A message from the Arkansas State Police Highway Safety Office. It's the quickest hour in sports talk. That was fast. Now back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on this Thursday afternoon on 95.3 and 96.9 of the tickets. Uh, we're halfway through on a Thursday afternoon, which means it's time to go to the Ritter Communications Hotline and check in with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, a state reporter. It's Mitchell Gladstone who's with us on the phone lines. Mitchell, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Good. Good to uh, check in with you. Uh, another road trip this week for A-State as they hit the road to Tulsa. And we won't focus much on the Washington game, but we'll kind of start with that. Um, outside of the game, how was the uh, the trip uh, to Seattle for A-State's first road trip of the year for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a great trip. I had a great time. I got out there Friday, really got to see a lot um, Friday, Saturday, I stayed actually through Monday, so it was great for me. Um, but re- really cool city, never been out there. Uh, very hilly. I was uh, <laughs> my my le- my legs were feeling it until about yesterday afternoon. So uh, I guess that means I enjoyed it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, did some hiking as well. So I can't can't complain. But legs were a little heavy. <laughs> well. Uh... Nothing kind of went right for A-State on Saturday or last Saturday against Washington uh, in that game. What did you see that kind of really went wrong for A-State in that Washington game last weekend? Yeah, I think you just – it's one of those games where everything sort of falls apart, right? Like, for example, you know, I think we saw it in the NFL, I guess, week one with the Packers, right? You know, they're playing the Saints. Obviously, you know, those are two teams that are more closely matched, right? But – you see it, the game gets out of control, and it just kind of spirals in a way that you can't really anticipate happening before the game. And that's what I think happened. Um, you know, Butch Jones talked about on Tuesday the fourth down play in the first quarter. Yeah. And there's that one play. They, they, they leak out. The tight end leaks out. They get a touchdown. And then all of a sudden, you know, then I think then the very next drive ends up being a missed field goal. And I think it just sort of all spiraled from there. So as far as, you know, things to take away from that game it's really hard to tell i mean uh, clearly clearly arkansas state was very overmatched i think washington is far better than their record and they you know they, they go lay an egg in week one yeah. and, and they lose to a good a really good michigan team who i think is pretty underrated so you know in the grand scheme of things you know looking at washington team and thinking maybe they're a little bit down and eh, i think they're probably one of the you know the probably second best team in the pac-12 you could argue so it's one of those games where Arkansas State was really overmatched, and that was sort of the inevitable outcome. Now, did I expect it to be a forty-nine point spread? No, but um, <laughs> you know, I think I think that was you know the expected result. 
defensively, uh, you know, you're you're coming into this Tulsa game with back-to-back weeks where you've given up 50-plus points. So, obviously, that's a problem. But the defense is still forcing turnovers, and they're still getting tackles for loss. So, what are you kind of seeing out of the defense where, yeah, they're getting turnovers, but they're still giving up a lot of points? Well, you know, I think you look at it where you've got a really good defensive front, and I think that's going to be a you know consistent force all season long. The question is, how do they back you know back it up on the back end? Um, you know, we saw I both in my notebook I mentioned two guys who you know were standouts in the in the Washington game, which obviously there were not very many bright spots, but. Um, you know, one was Leon Jones, who is going to be the starting cornerback opposite Jarius uh, Romanek this weekend. And I think he's someone who you've seen a little bit in flashes. Um, he's he's on the smaller side, but he was impressive at cornerback, and he had the interception against Washington. So I think, you know, just finding the right pieces. Malik Straker was another one who I wrote about today. Um, he came in. I think he played a little bit for uh, Antonio Fletcher at the star position. Um, and he's a guy who wasn't even on the roster until literally the day before fall camp. So I think what you're going to see is Butch Jones was saying that they haven't really, um, you know, made, they're not going to make any more changes. But from my perspective, I think you're going to continue to see guys. I mean, one one change they did make. I'm sorry, I, I misspoke earlier. I think I met Anthony Switzer when I was talking about um, the the star position. But, yeah. what, you know, Ellery example. EJ Alexander, he moved into the safety spot this week. Um, so that's one change. And I think even though Butch Jones isn't saying it, I think you're going to you know, have to just keep an eye out. And something that I'm going to be looking out on the, in the defense this weekend is who are the guys that are out there? Because I think they're still trying to figure out what's the best combination. I was looking at the cornerbacks. Um, I think last weekend they alternated between Jarius, uh, Sammy Johnson, Leon Jones, uh, Denzel Blackwell wasn't there to start, and he really struggled again. He came out. So what I'm going to be paying attention to this weekend is seeing who are those back seven guys. Uh, you know what you're going to have on the defensive line. It's going to be JoJo, Kevon Bennett, yeah. uh, Vidal Scott, and Terry Hanson. Those guys are going to be there every week. It's a question of who's behind them and how does that you know allow the defense to maybe make some improvements. Let's uh, let's talk offense here. There there wasn't much uh, that came out, uh, you know, from the offensive side in terms of a bright spot last week. But uh, Lincoln Perry and some of the first you know valuable reps he's had this year uh, led the team in receiving yards with sixty uh, sixty nine receiving yards, and then had a few rushes. And it seems like a guy that could really be a, a valuable asset to this offense, both rushing the ball and then obviously in the passing game. Yeah, and Lincoln Perry is clearly their best pass-catching running back. And this is an Arkansas State team under Butch Jones that's going to want to throw the ball. And so having someone out of the backfield who can both pass block and catch the ball is huge. And maybe we just haven't seen it from those other guys. They haven't been asking him of it so much. Um, But Lincoln Perry has clearly proven, you know, last season – and already this year that he's capable of doing that. I'm curious to see, you know, uh, Marcel Murray, there's talk from Butch Jones that he's going to be ready to sort of at least start to ramp it back up this weekend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, do you establish the run a little bit more? I mean, Arkansas State, they're, they're, I think, in the bottom third of 
uh, rushing offense in the country. And that's probably to be expected with Butch Jones. I think he wants to throw the ball deep. But the question is, can they have an effective run game when they do? It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a high number of rushes or a high number of yards on the ground. But it needs to be effective in more than, I think, three yards a carry, which is what they have right now. So, you know, whether it's Marcel Murray, whether it's Johnny Legg, whether it's Alan Lamar, or Lincoln Perry, you have a lot of options back there. Um, so, you know, I'll be curious to take a look and see how do they split those snaps over um, this weekend and over the coming weeks, um, especially as they have that full complement of those four guys because all four have shown um, either this year or in the past that they're capable of fulfilling their role. Now let's see how that those roles get split up. Talking with Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, who covers a state. Uh, just a couple of more things here, and one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest stories of the week is that there was no or next to the quarterback on the depth chart. It's James Blackman who was uh, named the starter for Tulsa. What do you make out of uh, that or coming off and Blackman kind of being the guy that Butch Jones is going to ride with at least for now? Yeah. I think it was kind of inevitable from the start. Um, I had sort of been, everyone had been asking me going into week one, you know, who's going to be the starter? Who do you think is be the starter? And I didn't really have, a, you know, a, an answer. Um, but, if, if, you know, you had to have me, you know, make a guess one way or another was going to be James Blackman. This is a guy who was a top talent, went to Florida State. Um, you know, you don't lose that talent now. Maybe it never develops in the way that that part of those rankings, but you know, people thought very highly of James Blackman, and he's and he has success at the power conference level. Um, you know, he's he's taller than Lane Hatcher. Um, he's very capable of throwing a deep ball, um, and Butch and he had a relationship with Butch Jones in a way that Lane Hatcher didn't really. Although you know, I guess in theory, you know, they worked together at Alabama for the one season, so. I think it's just a situation where, you know, Lane Hatcher has a little bit of a feeling. Now, he's been consistent. You generally know what you're going to get with him. Um, and James Blackman will probably be more up and down, I would say. But I, I think he's got a little more talent. And I think this was sort of the route it was always going to go. It was a matter of time. You know, Blackman started game one. Yeah, He started game three. And... The only reason I don't, the only reason he didn't start game two is because I think you just, I don't know how you could sell that to your team if yeah. you, you know, have Lane Hatcher come in, play a really good game against Central Arkansas, basically save the game for you, and then you don't start, you know, that game for him. I think that's, not, I think that's a really, really hard sell as a coach. And so, but then James Blackman comes, comes in, has a really good performance, shows you what he's capable of. And so I think it was just a matter of, time and now now is that time so let's see you know i mean i i i, I don't think coach jones you know if, if james Blackman really struggles again i don't think he's gonna be shy to pull it out for lane hatcher i can tell you that much i think he's very he's at least publicly expressed a lot of confidence in lane hatcher which i guess is a good thing for Arkansas state yeah. but you know i think this is this is james Blackman's time so i'm really curious to see now that there's not maybe that or does it you know take a little pressure off him and lead to better results uh, Tulsa coming in 0-3 this weekend. Uh, they're obviously desperate for a win. I, I think the 0-3 may be a little bit misleading with Tulsa. They played Oklahoma State down to the wire. Uh, 
what are your kind of expectations for Tulsa in this game that uh, we'll see uh, Saturday afternoon? Yeah, you know, I haven't necessarily studied them a lot, but what I can tell you is, like you said, yeah, it's a very misleading number. Um, you know, their experience, and uh, you you saw it last weekend at Washington, right? You see a team that laid an egg in its first home game, goes on the road for another game, loses. They're, uh, they're winless. They're hungry. They come out and put up a really good performance. The same thing with Tulsa, right? They lose to UC Davis in the first game. That was embarrassing. You know, I, people were talking about it, you know, not just in Tulsa. They're talking about it nationally as part of this, these teams that are losing to FCS teams. And so that's an embarrassing loss for them. They go on the road and you, you know, you could easily, but, you know, you can look at the scores and say, okay, you know, they lost two games. Well, yeah, like you said, they lost in, in Stillwater in a narrow game. Then they go to Ohio State, and they basically had Ohio State on the ropes for three quarters and, and then some. And it wasn't only until the, like the last three minutes of the game when Ohio State was able to pull away. So this team clearly isn't afraid of playing their opposition. Um, they're clearly capable of staying in games, and they've got a lot of experience. I mean, you look at their quarterback, I mean, he's completed basically 60% of his passes. You know, that's he's – those are, those are good numbers. Now, now the, the, I guess the one thing you can look at and say, you know, here's here's where my question is, is you know they're averaging they scored twenty points a game in their first yeah. game. They have sixty points on the season. Arkansas State has basically scored sixty. You know, they scored they went out and scored fifty points against Memphis. Uh, they scored forty against Central Arkansas. Like Arkansas State is clearly capable of scoring. Yeah. Um, so my question is, you know. Obviously, Washington, they haven't scored a lot, but they're a, a power conference team. Memphis is a high-flying offense. Tulsa isn't that. So, can they keep up? I mean, if, if Arkansas State starts putting points up early, is Tulsa going to be able to keep up? I don't know. I think that's the one question I have in this game. Um, but, again, you know, I think it just comes down to, at some point, you know, it's just a hungry team that is desperate yeah. for a win. It's, it's a home game. It's their first home game since they got embarrassed at home. And I just think, you know, that's going to be the real decider is how does Tulsa come out um, if they come out and they can start slowing down this Arkansas State offense? Um, then, you know, does Arkansas State ever get in the rhythm like it, yeah. you know, struggled to do against Washington? Mitchell, as always, appreciate the time. Uh, before we let you go, just tell our listeners what they can expect in terms of Arkansas Democrat Gazette coverage this weekend of the Tulsa game. Well, I will be heading out to Tulsa tomorrow afternoon, uh, making the drive out there. Uh, and as I said, I don't know if some people saw on Twitter, I'm very fortunate to the scheduling gods because uh, we've we got Oklahoma State playing our evening game. And I know, I don't know how many people followed Eli very closely before me, but he's now in Oklahoma State, so I'm going to get to catch up with one of my good old friends. And uh, But we'll be out in Tulsa and I'll have, you know, normal game coverage. I've also got a story coming uh, Saturday morning about, you know, just some of the realignment stuff. And I was able to talk yeah. to Keith Gill with the Sun Belt earlier this week. Where does the Sun Belt stand versus the American? You know, I'm going to go. We, we did a little bit of a look back earlier this year about how the Sun Belt's done in bold, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper and see, okay, you know, especially with some of these teams that are headed off to the Big 12, how do these conferences really stack up? And so, you know, Obviously, it's a one-game a one sample size, but, you know, Arkansas State has already lost to an American team. Now they're playing another one, you know, 
where, where do these two conferences stack up as the two, you know, top leagues outside of the, outside of the Power Five? Mitchell, as always, appreciate the time and uh, look forward to seeing you down in Tulsa this weekend. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on, guys. That's Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette joining us to talk A-State and Tulsa as he does every Thursday afternoon. We'll step aside, come back, close out the show after this on The Ticket. Our advice? Just take the over. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Grain prices still on the rise. Hello, I'm Scotty Woodson on the EAB Ag Network with your EAB Market Countdown. December corn at 529 and a quarter, up three and three quarters, with March corn at 537, up four. November soybeans at 1284 and a quarter, up one and a half, with January soybeans at 1294, up two and a quarter. December wheat at 717 and three quarters, up 12, with March wheat at 728 and a half, up 12 and a half. October cotton at 9331, up 148. December cotton at 9246, up 159. November rice at 1383, down five and a half cents. January rice at 1402, down four and a half. Moving on to livestock now. October live cattle at 123.22 and a half, down five. December live cattle at 128.62 and a half, up seven and a half. September feeder cattle at 154.90, up 10. With October feeder cattle at 156.85, down 82 and a half. October lane hogs at 84.75, up 90. With December hogs at 76.50, up 312 and a half. That's your EAB market countdown, and I'm Scotty Woodson. Have a great day. Red Rose fans, this is your coach. Butch Jones, and it's football time in Jonesboro. We can't wait to see you pack the vault for six home games this fall. Hatcher going deep down the right side looking for Hunt. This is tipped and caught, and T. Hunt is going to score. Touchdown Arkansas State from 53 yards out. We need you to create the best home field advantage. Purchase your season tickets now by visiting astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. The landscape of media has changed, and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters twice as credible as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be timely, accurate, and credible. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You can save big this week at FoodSmart, where you get all items at cost, plus 10% at checkout. Get Prairie Fresh Bone-In Sirloin Pork Chop Value Packs for 86 cents a pound. Fresh Chicken Leg Quarters in a 10-pound bag, 35 cents a pound. King Cotton Sliced Bacon, 40 ounces, 10.85. And 12 packs of Pepsi products are three for 8.88 when you buy three or more. Be smart. Shop FoodSmart. Now open in Jonesboro and the two former Hayes Supermarkets locations on Nettleton and on G Street. Looking for an affordable car, truck, or SUV that you can buy wholesale? Then the team at Magnet Motor Company in Paragold can help. Fixed income, bad credit, good credit, or just need to build your credit? Magnet can take care of you with low-cost cars, trucks, and SUVs. You can pay with cash. You can pay with credit card. And Magnet also offers financing. Check out our inventory at magnetmotorco.com and call 215-0077 and let us put you in your next ride today. Magnet Motor Company, Highway 49 South. Timeout's over, and we're going to a full court press. Now let's get back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back to the setup here on the ticket, closing out a Thursday edition of the show. Thanks to Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette for joining us to talk A-State football. 
in the last segment. If you missed anything from that, if you missed anything from today's show, it'll be up following the program over at SoundCloud.com slash 95.3 The Ticket or wherever you get your podcast and podcast form by searching for the setup. Uh, all right, so fairly quick segment to close out the show today. Uh, we have football tonight. Uh, more importantly, we have Ryder Cup action this week. Uh, that'll be going on up at uh, Whistling Straits. So that's going to be fun. Obviously, that got pushed back. Uh, from last year with the COVID pandemic and everything. So uh, be fun to see that at Whistling Straits. Uh, it is going to be a little bit different because I think mostly it's only going to be U.S. fans, so you aren't going to have that same kind of friction in the gallery like uh, you normally would for uh, with a European Ryder Cup team fans so it is going to be a little bit different but it's going to be fun to see the Ryder Cup in action uh this week at Whistling Straits uh, already just packed sold out crowds uh for some of the uh practice rounds and such uh this week so looking forward uh to that and seeing how everything plays out there uh with the Ryder Cup uh this week so that'll be fun to keep up with in terms of golf in terms of football tonight, uh, we have an NFL game, Thursday night football, and we have a Sunbelt game. First off, um, the uh, Panthers go to the Texans at 720 uh, over on the NFL Network. Uh, Panthers are favored by eight points. Uh, Texans are without quarterback uh, Tyrod Taylor. So, Taylor is out. Uh, Deshaun Watson is still inactive. So, no Deshaun Watson. Uh, so, be interesting to see how that game plays out. I guess Davis Mills is the – yeah, Davis Mills is the uh, starting Oof. quarterback for the Houston Texans tonight. So, I don't know how much of that game I'll be watching. Um, <laughs> App State and Marshall is tonight in terms of NCAA football. Um that's interesting. Uh, that was an interesting game last year. That was, I don't know, that was either week two or week three of the college football season uh, when App went on the road and lost to Marshall. So uh, you get the rematch of that tonight uh, from Boone at six thirty over on ESPN, and that will be that will be interesting. App is honestly probably a win away. They're probably three points away right now from being in the top 25 at least receiving votes in the top 25 poll because they lost 25 to 23 in Miami uh in uh week two of the season but have had a couple of uh impressive wins since then or a couple of impressive wins before that uh, they beat East Carolina Eastern Carolina by 14 and just kind of routed Elon last week uh 44 to 10 so uh we'll see what app can do tonight and that one that's uh 6 30 over on uh ESPN so That'll be fun to watch uh, tonight um, over on ESPN. So, uh, one of the things that saw this morning in terms of college football viewership, and it's been interesting because there's been a – I've heard conversations all week long, uh, especially kind of leading up to the Ole Miss-Bama game next week, which could potentially get game day of – is game day still like a valuable – is game day something that people still watch? Is it something that is still kind of in their routine schedule? 
Penn State put something out today. Game Day drew 1.9 million viewers last week on ESPN, which is the highest it's probably drawn in a few years. So that was a very interesting. We kind of looked at the ratings across football this year and how they've been up, but it's very, very interesting that Game Day drew 1.9 million viewers uh, last Saturday. I feel so. like it's. I feel like you either love it or you do, are just not about yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like there's no kind of casual like every now and then watchers it's either super loyal people that wake up every morning and watch game day and then there's some that just have no interest in it i personally grew up watching it so i watch it when i can but yeah i don't know that's interesting though that it drew one million um it's i mean i guess because college football is back now for yeah. the most part uh Alabama is playing Southern Miss this week, a team that they are going to absolutely roll. The spread is like 49 and a half. They'll probably cover that in the first half. Um, and Nick Saban is already in his latest midweek rant. Of course. Prior to a game where Alabama is going to win by eight touchdowns. <laughs> uh, his quote yesterday when asked about the depth chart and players emerging into new roles. Did any of you play sports? I mean, the oh, coach is supposed that. to play the best players, right? <laughs> I saw that. There's SEC no rap Mike, this time. SEC Mike has that full video on Twitter if you want to watch that. Uh, by the way, white, 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 or white, white, red for A-State on the road. Saturday at Tulsa. They just released that. All right, that does it for us today. The Drive with Brad Bobo is next. Uh, front row with Budrow from 7 to 10 tomorrow. 10 to 12, Red Wolf Roll Call. 12 to 2, Workday Red Zone with Kara Ritchie. And that'll get you back to us tomorrow from 2 to 3. For Andrew, I'm Cade. So long. Have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.